Well, today we're going to have a baptism right after this service here, so stick around. And then next service we're having a baptism. So we're also going to have today Thomas Mattingly is going to be baptized here. And then second service, uh, Sophie Simmons. So I'm looking forward to this because uh, I've gotten a chance to visit with both of them. And I'm excited about what God is doing. If you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. In our um, continuing study of uh, keeping in step with the Spirit, this will be actually part three. And as you know, last week we weren't able to be here. Uh, because of the non non ice that we had, <laughs> uh, but I I still have had a lot of people tell me it was still the right thing to do because <clears throat> it could have been bad, and it was bad south of here. Let's read uh, chapter six. We're going to read the whole chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin? That grace will abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have already died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let it not, therefore, sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members as sin as in, of, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law, but under grace. So what then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either to sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. But just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading 
through sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For at the end of those things is death. But now you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, um, when I was a young Christian, I hadn't been saved very long, I, I happened upon this preacher by the name of Ian Thomas. Now, Ian Thomas um, was an old British preacher. He was old then, and he just died a couple of years ago, so he must have been in late 80s or something, or 90s maybe. Um, but... He, he told a story one time in a sermon when he was getting ready to preach on this passage right here that he, he thought was humorous, and so did I. Uh, a lot of people didn't think it was humorous, but I'm going to share with you what he said. He said that um, um, he went to, his mother wanted him to learn how to, to sing, so she sent him to a, a voice teacher. And so this voice teacher was, uh, these are his words, not mine, a big buxom lady. I don't know exactly how you describe that any other way. And he walked in with all the anticipation of learning how to sing, and she said to him, and I'll try to imitate his British a little bit, expire. And he says, I can't, I'm too young. And he thought that was funny, but she didn't. And then she said something else. You can't inspire until you expire. Now, she was obviously talking about breathing, but (coughs) he said she preached a really good sermon right there. Today, we're going to discuss how the Holy Spirit applies the cross to our lives. And and to do so, we'll be looking at several scriptures pertaining to a part of our walk in the Spirit. (coughs) Excuse me. In doing so, we need to establish a couple of things that are very confusing to many Christians. Anyone who has sincerely come to Christ started on the premise of the word done. Right? Done, not do. Done. Every debt, every sin that would ever be held to our account has completely been paid for. In the past, and judged in his body. We start with the statement of our, we start our Christian life with the statement, it is finished. We discover there's nothing we can add to the finished work of Christ at all. No amount of effort on our part, whether religious or good works, can give us any merit with God at all. Only by faith in the death of Jesus and his resurrection, can we enter into this rest? The Holy Spirit applies the cross to us, accounting all of our sins to Jesus and assures us through many, many promises that our sins are as far as the east is from the west. And we'll never receive condemnation after that. This is something that has to be appropriated by faith. In other words, you've got just to believe God that what you cannot see is actually happening to you. So 
We rejoice and make the cross of Christ personal in our lives. And by personal receipt, we take this free gift when we receive Christ. The Holy Spirit begins this second, to, that second, however, to apply the cross to us in a, every way necessary for us to be successful in our Christian lives. I want to stop here and say something. Last time we were together, I preached as best as I knew how that you must be born again. And I urged anyone who's not to come to Christ and receive the gift that you can't earn and to be transferred out of old Adam into the new Adam, new Christ, and be made new completely, not in the flesh, but in your spirit, born of God. I just have to say something. We, when three pastors and I sat down and went through these studies together, we designed these after that message of being born again to go on to maturity. You can jump on the train anytime you want, but we're moving on. We're going to go in some more depth. We're going to take this to the place where we are actually walking in the spirit. And you can't do that unless you're born again. So, like I said, you can jump on that train anytime you want to, and God will be happily take you along to maturity. But as a message, as a group of messages, we're going on to maturity. So when you come to Christ and you hear the, you feel, you sense the Holy Spirit applying the cross of Christ as it pertains to his death for our sins, there's a great relief that goes on inside of us, a great calmness that happens. And it supersedes every kind of an experience you can have in this world, period. We rise and begin to discover, now what can I do to serve my wonderful Lord and Master? We begin immediately to repel the things we lived in before and... Then something insidious happens to us. We find that we still have a sin nature living inside of us that will not acknowledge Christ as Lord. And it seeks to lust after sinful things we did before. Even at this point, we might begin to even doubt we were ever saved to begin with. Happens to all of us. Uh, you're, take heart, dear one. You're in a very blessed group of people here because we have all had and continue to have experiences like that until we die physically. The key, however, is now that we know that this is the case, is to learn how to have victory over this aspect of our lives. Your Heavenly Father wants you to experience the most you can from having His Holy Spirit with you. To experience the love and the joy and the peace and all the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. To be filled with everything He can fill you with. But right here is where we all make a mistake. You can't inspire until you expire. Until you expire, that is, take the cross against the old nature. God is not going to change your old fleshly nature. I have people say, oh, I just want to be like Jesus. Well, quit trying to be like Jesus because there's nothing good in you. 
Let Jesus be Jesus in you. Quit trying to be like him. Oh, really? (laughs) He's not going to improve that old nature. The fact that Jesus died is proof positive that that old nature can't be fixed. It's only good to die. And right here is where the battle begins for Christians. God is not going to rely on you to make this happen, by the way. If you're not willing to take the cross, you're not going to experience the fullness of Christ. But just as in the initial salvation, God starts with done when it comes to your victory, as well as your release from sin. He starts with the word done. God has already done everything for you to experience life and godliness in the Spirit. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter 1.3. God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many things? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory. Listen to a Jesus describe the life of someone who truly follows him. Matthew 10.38. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Matthew 16.24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What did he mean by this? Well, this word deny is an interesting word, and the word take is an interesting word in the Greek here. The word deny is the Greek word aparamenomai, and it means to utterly disown, refuse the right to live. Take up in the Greek is aro, and it means to raise up or lift up. In other words, to hold the cross higher than self. Hmm. We're not talking about the cross for the sake of salvation from your sins. We're talking about, or from the penalty of your sins, we're talking about taking the cross and putting to death what cannot be made better. That old man that's in us, that has its root in Adam. (coughs) Excuse me. It has the idea of seeing the cross as the method of the delivery of self. Hmm. And it's a job that's already been done. Not do, done. You see, I hear Christians all the time, <clears throat> and I've done it myself. You know, I really need to die to self more and live for Christ more. I really need to die to self. You know, that is a ridiculous statement. You can't do that. Self isn't going to voluntarily participate in that. (laughs) Here's what you have to understand that the Bible teaches. (coughs) You have to realize that self already died at the cross. Now, I realize... Your old nature, your thought, the arguments you have in your mind with yourself will completely deny that as a fact. How can you believe that you were crucified with Christ? Look at this. Look at the things you want to do. Look at the lust you have. Look at the actual sin you commit. How can you say, come on, that you're dead already? 
and alive to Christ. Well, I can say it because God says it. (laughs) That's how I can say it. I can stand in the face of that which calls me a liar and realize that this thing is calling God a liar. If God says you died, you died. And you see, we want to try to to die to self, and self stands up boldly and puts its chest out, sticks its fist in your face and says, Oh, yeah? But then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes with the cross. I said the Holy Spirit comes with the cross. If you go back there to Romans 6, you look carefully at what it says. Paul spends almost three chapters describing justification, meaning being declared by God as righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not being made righteous, not becoming righteous, but being declared by God as righteous on the basis and all the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. That is the basis of your salvation. But now he brings us into this next step that where the Holy Spirit applies the cross to us in a completely different way. And what he does this. He says, how can you who already died still live in sin? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We have been reunited with him in his death. We will be united with him in his resurrection. Our old self was already crucified with him, that we would no longer be a slave to sin. It's a difficult concept to grasp. You know why? Because we want to do it ourselves. <laughs> Let's say that I'm laying in a casket. don't want to before my time, but let's just say I am. And you walk up to me, and you look down, I'm dead as a doornail, and you look at me and you say, you're the worst so-and-so I ever met in my life. How am I going to respond? (laughs) I'm not going to do anything. I can't be affected. There's no old nature that gets up and slaps them in the face and says, how dare you say that about me? It's not there. I'm dead. Get it? Or you might start to flatter me and say, I'm the smartest guy you ever met on earth. And I would probably respond by saying, it's about time you realize that. (laughs) But the problem is, I'm not going to do that. There's not going to be pride or anything coming out of me. I'm dead. But John, when these things happen, I still feel like reacting. Of course you do. That's because when you're keeping in step with the Spirit, it has nothing to do with your feelings. If you don't get that, then you'll be offended at things that are said from the pulpit or offended at something somebody says to you when they're talking to you. You'll just get offended or you'll become flattered. Either way, it's proof that you haven't taken the cross. That's all it's proof of. You see, this involves faith. How many can quote this? The just shall live by, that's right. Now, it doesn't say the just shall be saved and, and justified by faith. It does say that in places, but it says the just, meaning those who belong to God, shall live their lives by faith. 
That means we have to take the cross by faith. We have to agree with God. Not only did Jesus die for my sins, I died with him. That's the only way the Holy Spirit (coughs) will give you the opportunity to take action against those things. So he says in verse 11 of chapter 6, Therefore you must consider. It's the word count on as fact. That you're dead to sin and alive to God. Count. Consider. Reckon. I know I'm losing you. Some of you. But you have to understand, God is not waiting for you to feel like doing this before you obey it. He just says, believe it. And watch the Holy Spirit go to work. The beautiful mystery of the cross is this. Not only did God reckon all your sins on Christ, but he reckoned you there. He put you there. Listen, think about it. If you weren't separated from Adam so completely, then you would still be living like Adam. And a lot of us still are. Because we don't understand that we don't have to. It's interesting, but if you keep thinking this is something that is yet to be done for you, your walk will be hampered. You'll trip up. Saved by grace through faith. Thank God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm living like the devil. Why is that? Paul fell into this in Romans 7 and said, Oh, God, when I would do good, evil is present. The evil I don't want to do, I do anyway. This is the Apostle Paul speaking here. And he comes to the conclusion that there is nothing good in me. And it dawns on him that that old person that's doing all this sin is really dead. It just won't lay down and admit it. (laughs) It's easy to deceive yourself that you're being good enough, but deep down in the recesses of your nature, you know. There dwells a corruption and evil that cannot be tamed. It must be killed. But it's already been. Do you believe that? When you're sitting here wishing that you were watching the football game right now instead of listening to this crazy preacher up here, guess where that's coming from? Oh, it's Satan. The devil made me do it. The devil gets blamed for a lot of things he doesn't do. <laughs> it's you. It's the you that wants nothing to do with God that's still there even though you have received Jesus. It's not Jesus coming through. It's not Jesus acting through you. It's not Jesus thinking through you. It's you. And the quicker you admit that that's what you are, the quicker you can take the cross as a great relief against something that you have no control over. Self. Are you all understanding this at all? Is anybody missing this? Because I hope you're not. I hope you understand that, that this is the, this, there are a lot of applications of the cross of Christ 
way beyond justification, way beyond him dying for our sins. This is something where we daily get up and say, self, I don't even acknowledge that you're alive. I take the cross against you, willingly agreeing with the Spirit of God that you died with Jesus, and I'm just following him now. If you think you're in a wilderness, he knows the way through the wilderness. Follow him. You see, you're a new creature. The you that God loves, the you that he's making into the image of his son, that you is a new creature. It loves being with Jesus. It loves being righteous. It's been set free. It's not a part of Adam. It's a part of Christ. And all he asks us to do is just turn over here and stay there. But to get there, you've got to say, no, you're dead. Here's the cross. I did. I'm dead. And now I'm following Jesus. How can a dead man walk around? Lazarus did it. At the words of Jesus. Romans 6.22 said, Now you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit that leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Now, I have some something you need to understand here. The cross, we're told in Romans 1.16, is the power of God unto salvation. But that's not just talking about salvation from hell. That's talking about salvation from the domination of sin in your life. The cross is the power of God. Both places. You see, Jesus was like this gigantic magnet hanging on that cross. And all the sin of every person in the world was being sucked into him. As he hung there. And God even says he made him to be sin. He pulled it all out of the entire world and laid it on his son and crushed him under it and said, now I'm satisfied. I'm not mad at y'all anymore if you'll take this gift. But then once we get past that, he says, oh, wait a minute. He was also a magnet for that old self inside of you. And he sucked that into his body and put it to death, buried it. And when he rose... A new you rose with him. (laughs) Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of the cross is folly, silly, foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. You see... I've been in a lot of churches and we and, and, and heard people give the gospel and, oh, Jesus has a wonderful plan for you. I've come to our church we're, and come be like us. We're just happy all the time and we don't have any problems and we lay claim on things that aren't, you know, that the Bible doesn't say they're ours, but, you know, everybody's going to be healed and everybody's going to be happy and everybody's going to be fine. And listen, you go to any church you want to, there's a problem in every church. It's called sinners. <laughs> and we're all a part of it. But you won't hear the cross preached there. You'll hear goody-two-shoes stuff preached there. The cross is offensive, folks. It's offensive to my old nature that I don't want it to live anymore. (laughs) Sorry, but it's the truth. 
Deny self. Don't try to die to it. It's already dead. Take up the cross. Agree with God. I died with Jesus. Paul put it this way. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ lives in me, and the life I live in this body, in this fleshly vehicle, I live by faith in the Son of God from beginning to end. In other words, you can't inspire until you expire. You know what makes a pastor weep? As a pastor who prays for you and attempts to guide you and all of God's sheep, all the pastors, into righteous living, I'm encouraged when I see people that I see stop relying on their feelings. I'm encouraged when I see people just taking God at His word. Discovering what real love is. It's not, it's not ooey gooey. It's taking action, getting your brother out of sin, bringing him out of sin, doing whatever it takes, going out to the world and telling them that there's a Savior who loves them, going to Haiti if necessary. You don't have to go to Haiti. You can find some really bad stuff right down here in Clarkville. <clears throat> or Eolia, or Ellsbury, or Louisiana, or Bowling Green, or anything else around here. You don't have to go to Haiti to be a missionary. Every one of you are missionaries. Right, Bailey? This means yes, she said. I have no other job up here. No other job than to help you follow Jesus. And I don't do it perfectly. I have to deny myself and take the cross and... Follow him before I can tell you to do it. No one does it perfectly. Not me or any pastor I know or any Christian I know. It's something that has to be done daily, day in and day out. Sometimes there are people who have been preached to for years and still don't get it. Enough so they even profess to know Christ, but evidently they don't possess Christ. That's scary. The cross may even seem silly to them. As a result, we hear Paul weeping. Here's a pastor weeping. Listen to what he says in Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Listen to this weeping man. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with tears that walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform these lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Wow. Don't make your pastor weep. <laughs> Take the cross. Memorize these verses in Romans 6. Come join with me. I've got a big old ugly self that needs to be denied every day. And sometimes that rascal gets out. And then I have to go to the people I've heard and ask them to forgive me. But I'd rather do that 
than stand up here and tell you that I'm perfect. You know better. Some of you know better than others. Now, there's a verse here. Well, I want to listen to this Romans 8, 12 through 14. And here's where Paul is urging people to live a life that honors God every single moment of the day. Hmm. He says, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Hmm. So just because you profess to have Jesus and you're not being led by the Spirit, guess what? That just says you're not His. That's scary. I hope you take it seriously. But many people come to Romans 6.23, which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. They say, oh, we use that as a salvation verse. That's great. <laughs> you can use any verse of the Bible as a salvation verse. I would say believing Revelation 3.20 was written to me, and it was really written to the church. It had nothing to do with me at the time. Here's the thing. This verse, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, is sitting in the middle of the biggest sanctification chapter in the Bible. It is not a salvation message. It is sitting in the biggest sanctification chapter of the Bible. It's saying the wages of sin and death. And if you live like that, you're going to die. But the free gift of God. Well, you know, I already accepted Jesus. My Savior I already got the free gift. No, you need it every day. You need it every day. You don't have to stop mass Jesus in your heart every day or, or be converted every day. But you do need to agree with him that all you have is from a gift and nothing else. You do it any other way, that's you doing it. And that really doesn't work. So, you come to Jesus and get the whole benefit of the cross. Not just salvation, but a putting away of that old man. Not just the cross to die for our sins, but die with him. Because you can't inspire until you expire. Listen to Colossians, and I'll close with this. Colossians 3, 1 through 6. If you have been raised with Christ, and it assumes you have, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Listen to this. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And man, I can't wait for that. Because I won't have nothing to do with it. Therefore, put to death the earthly things in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. That's something very sober. For those of being baptized today, This is a real statement you're making when you're baptized. You're saying when you go under the water that you died with Jesus. 
You're being immersed in him and dying with him. That's the picture that's going on. It's not something you can do. It's, I mean, somebody's going to do it to you. But uh, what? I, hopefully Ron won't hold Thomas down too long. But uh, <laughs> watch out, Thomas. <clears throat> but it's saying, I died with Christ. When you come up out of that water, you're saying, I'm alive in Jesus to walk in newness of life. If that isn't what it means then why are we doing it? Because that work has already gone on inside of our hearts. You have been risen with Him. Act like it. You had died with Him. Count on it. You are His forever. Praise Him for that too. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss those who right now are going to be baptized. Um, And you guys go ahead and Go on over here, Ron and and Thomas. And then I'm going to pray. We got a baptism coming up, second service too, so. Heavenly Father, this is such a hard, difficult concept for us to grasp. And yet we're told over and over and over about people who don't take the cross. They're living as God is their belly. Their glory and their shame. We're told over and over that the cross didn't just take away our sins, although it did a wonderful job of that and set us free from all condemnation. It took us away. It took out of the way that which would continue to rebel against you so that we can be free. None of us are doing this perfectly. I know I'm not. But Lord, every day you remind me. Every day. Early in the morning, you remind me, don't try to live the Christian life. Take the cross and follow me. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a guy named Michael Card who wrote a song called I Have Decided. I don't know if any of you have ever heard or sang it before, but listen to the words to it. I have decided... I'm going to live like a believer. I'm going to turn my back on the deceiver. I'm going to live what I believe. I have decided. Being good is just a fable. I can't because I'm not able. I'll just leave it to the Lord. For there's a wealth of things that I confess and said that I believe. But deep inside I hadn't changed. I thought I'd been deceived. But something in me kept telling me, oh, you'll change by and by. But the Spirit has revealed to me that kind of life is a lie.